Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Ocario podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dean and fleshing out a topic that's really close to my heart and on my mind recently at the moment, and that is the concept of radical honesty. I came across this book a few months ago by psychotherapist Brad Blanton, and the concept is pretty damn simple. Lying is the primary cause of suffering in your life, and you can allay most of this suffering by simply telling the truth. Sound easy? Well, it's not. In this episode, me and Dean discuss all things about radical honesty, and we even practice a little bit of radical honesty at the end of the episode also. So if you want to experience better relationships, a sense of inner freedom, mental health, emotional well-being, better sex, deeper connections with other people, if you want to start living a life that is yours, maybe radical honesty is the way forward. Welcome to the Ikario podcast, where we help you break free from the human zoo, optimize your life, and become a force to be reckoned with. Once again, with your host, Ollie, here I am, and I'm not with Shane this time. I'm actually sharing the podcast mic setup with Dean. Yo, I'm back. Dean, Dean's back, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's good, to, it's good to be back. It's good to, we've not actually done a podcast before, no. me and you. No, we haven't. I'm looking forward to this. We've had you on with Shane, um, but not with me. Okay, cool. This is a good start. So I hear you people listening to this right now asking, what the hell are these guys talking about today? <laughs> and I'm going to answer that for you right now. Uh, so today we're talking about uh, an idea that is actually really close to my heart and on my mind recently. And that is an idea, uh, a completely new way of communicating with other people and a new way of sort of... Uh, relating to your experience, I guess. And this is called radical honesty. In your face. When I say radical honesty, Dean, what uh, just uh, as a just what comes up, what comes to mind for you when I say radical honesty? The first line is do the difficult thing. <laughs> do the thing that we don't want to do, which is tell people the blunt truth. It's like I, I run away from it. That's why I'm sitting here. That's why I wanted to be a part of this, because I think... I need to do a lot more of this. I'd love to hear your insights because I've been really bad, I think, at being bluntly honest. So I'm afraid of it. I want to be better at it. That's what comes to mind. Okay, radical. Yeah, radical honesty, radically telling the truth. So when usually when people hear about this uh, and my clients and stuff, when I say like well, I practice radical honesty, the they usually respond with what? So I've got to basically, I've got to be an asshole mm. to people and I've got to just tell I've got to just just um, vomit out my innermost thoughts and feelings to anyone that will listen, and that's a, a mis that's a misconception. But we'll get to that in a little while. So, first of all, I just want to talk about how I came across this. Um, so a few months ago, I had some mental health issues, and that is a, of a different episode. I actually talk about it more extensively, so I don't have to here. Uh, I'll link to this episode as well. Um, and at the time, I, I got a therapist through BetterHelp which is an online therapy platform where you can get like a virtual, it's not, it's not like an AI, it's a real therapy, <laughs> but you get like video, video calls instead all through the apps. Pretty damn good, I was well impressed. And um, at one point, we reached a point in therapy where she recommended a book to me. And the book is titled Radical Honesty. Now, the second that she suggested this book to me, I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. uh, I just knew it. It's Got like I'd been found thing. out. Because uh, the problem I was dealing with at the time was anxiety. And her suggestion, her, like she, she, we'd had a few sessions and she kind of saw that there was a lot that I wasn't sharing, a lot that I wasn't acknowledging to myself, and there was a lot that I was holding back. So she suggested this as a way of like, right, so right now you're radically hiding. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in order to sort of tip the balance in your favor, let's go radically the other way. <laughs> and then just sort of see where things land. Try and hopefully land in the middle afterwards, right? Exactly. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. So I read 15 pages of this book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm laughing. I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> because it scared me, right? Yeah. It scared the life out of me. And then I then I then proceeded to bullshit myself, saying, okay, well, I can't read this right now. It's not a, it's not a priority. It's not something I'm... Like, it's not a topic that really fascinates or makes me feel passionate and stuff. So I'm going to change. I'm going to read something else. I'll come back to this later. <laughs> and then lo and behold, that book has just been sat in the back of my mind ever since. And I've just been like, read. Like, there's this little voice that's just like, read the book. 
read the book. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. And it's come back up again recently. So yeah. I um I have not read the book still. <laughs> I've read uh, an extra 10 pages. But then recently we did this. Um, there is actually a good reason for this, guys, by the way. We're doing currently doing a, a three-book challenge where you basically pick three books and you about about one topic and then you just go really deep in reading these three books about this one topic. So that did interrupt the, the reading of Radical mm-hmm. Honesty. So I do, I, I'm, I'm off the hook a little bit there. Um, but after this three-book challenge, I'm going to go straight back to this book. That being said, even though I've not read the book, I have uh, perused the Radical Honesty website and there is a, a shitload of really good information on that website that I've sort of condensed and put into uh, a bunch of notes so that I can tell you, Dean, mm-hmm. and I can tell the people listening to this, the fine audience we have about radical honesty and what actually mm. what actually it means uh, from a more in-depth perspective. Because if you don't know about radical honesty, if you don't know the ins and outs and what it's really getting at, or the, the principles that underlie it, you will make that natural assumption that radical honesty is just tell everybody your innermost thoughts in the most sort of haphazard, blunt kind of way mm-hmm. without regarding other people's feelings and stuff like that. It doesn't seem to be that, yeah. Which would be a mistake. Yeah. So. I I just want to say, though, that since you read those first pages and you told me about it a while back, you have been practicing it. And and there are examples where I can say, like, Ali, you've done really well in the last few months. Have you got an example in on my uh, in I, mind? I think we'll moment. come back to that. Let's let's hear more about what it is, and then and then we'll pull apart your all right your existence. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Put my existence right there on the chopping block to be examined. Yeah, I'll all be right. honest about it. Okay, lovely. Well, that, by the way, guys, if you if you're listening to this episode right now and you're just thinking, oh, I'm not sure about listening to this episode, seems a bit high concept or seems a bit wordy and impractical we're actually going to be practicing radical honesty later on in the episode yeah so uh stick around for that or you can skip i don't know we'll we'll see so first of all yeah about radical honesty uh some of the things i'm just going to talk about are direct um they're directly taken from the website and i'll sort of add my own embellishments and stuff uh so the idea is that uh, the first principle of radical honesty is that um at its core Lying is the primary cause of suffering. That's what the book Radical Makes Honesty sense. asserts. Now, does that mean that we're consciously lying all the time? Does that mean that we're, we're making the decision to lie to everyone and ourselves all the time consciously? No. Mm-mm. Lying is withholding, pretending, attachment to a belief about what should be true without knowing that it's true, but like attaching yourself mm-hmm. to it, self-editing, sort of, sort of like... Um, you, you know, you're avoiding actually embodying what you feel and mm. think and everything. You just sort of avoiding who you are in the moment. Living a life lie. This is actually, um, the, the, the phrase life lie is not something that, um, it's not a new concept. I think it's one of Freud and, and Jung's contemporaries, a guy called Alfred Adler. He coined the phrase the life lie because he actually found out, because by the way, the author of, of Radical Honesty, the book is a psychotherapist called Brad Blanton, who worked out that he kind of observed in his entire career that people would come into the therapy room and they would just be they'd be they'd be lying in some way they wouldn't yeah. be they wouldn't be experiencing and living from a place of truth and authenticity they're living from a place of some sort of some sort of lie basically yeah and that's how he kind of worked out that this was the cause this was the root cause of the suffering right and Alfred Adler this the psycho the psychologist also figured the same thing out which is why he t- he coined the phrase life lie Mm. So the people come into the therapy room and many of them were essentially living a lie. Yeah. They weren't maybe consciously speaking. No, you're, it. You're, you're absorbed by it. You're living it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you believe it now. Exactly. Yeah. They're embodying a lie. They're either in a relationship they deeply don't want to be in. Mm. They are fulfilling the expectations of their parents, but mm. they've never actually, they never actually asked themselves what they want to do. Um, Which is different to compulsive lying. That's where you're, you're sort of engaging in lying and then it, it becomes a bad habit. This is actually you living it, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, you live. You, you don't know any different. You, 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 you believe your own reality, even if that reality is actually a lot of bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah there's, there's so much bullshit. And the idea that, like, I'm living a lie. I've heard people say that before. Mm-hmm. Usually in a, in, in a period of, like, in, in, a, in a sudden moment of shock and despair and truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've experienced that with people. That would definitely cause suffering, though. I'm living it like damn right it will, yeah. and we'll get we'll get around in a little while to why it causes suffering. But ultimately, it's it's the best. It really, honestly, really is the best policy. 
Um, but yeah, so continuing, we are always telling some kind of a story. Uh, we're always building a case for ourselves and trying to put on a best face. We're trying to prove, prove that we're good little boys and girls and that we're knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Get this. Four years ago, in a, nation, uh, in a nationwide survey titled The Day America Told the Truth, 93% of Americans admitted that they lie regularly and habitually at work, and 35% admitted that they have had or were currently having an affair which they were keeping secret from their mates. 35%, Dean. Mm, I'm not surprised. I think no? that's the Buddha got it right. You know, human existence is suffering. It's because we're lying all the time. Well, well, this is it. And this is like one of the things I really love about this approach is that there is a real almost almost sort of spiritual slash experiential element to it. Mm. Uh, and we'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get to that. Of course, a juicy episode, Dean. Uh, pack it in. <laughs> We're packing it in as tightly as we can. We've, got, we've gone 10 minutes so far and we've not even covered it. So, um, so yeah, lying is saying or withholding information in order to manipulate someone's opinion of you. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes sense, yeah. It captures your attention by bringing your focus to the story you're telling, the image you're preserving and the secret that you're hiding. All right. Um, so when you're in this state, you're no longer able to focus your attention wherever you want to focus it. You're only able to focus your attention on the lies you're telling and the secret you're keeping. So there was a phrase a while ago. I think it might have been Bruce Lee or something. I love Bruce Lee as a philosopher, man, by the way. I strive to live in a way that I can tell the truth to everyone I meet. Sure. Again, say it again. I strive to live in such a way that I can tell the truth to absolutely mm. everyone that I meet. Wow. I might have butchered that quote and it might have even been from someone else, but it's a a powerful quote, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't have to tell, you don't have to lie to anybody, you know? Mm. And at Ikaria, we talk about it. We talk about living a life of freedom. You want freedom. This is it, right? Mm. You live in a way where you can look everyone in the eye and not lie about anything, about who you are or anything like that, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, but there's a reason, there's an elaboration as to why uh, lying is the primary cause of stress and suffering. And, um, and that's coming up. So, and this is, this is part of the attention problem. It's like your attention is, is taken up entirely by this story that you're telling to the point where you can't actually be present in your experience. One of the guys on uh, Men Getting Shit Done, um, which is, if you don't know, is a productivity class, lasts for eight weeks for men, helping them get the, get the shit together and get stuff done. Uh, one of them expressed to me recently that he, the real desire he has is to be present with his kids. Because he's always is always in his in his head, always constantly absorbed by worry and stuff. Um, so yeah, so the captured attention creates stress. In radical honesty, Brad Blanton he attempts to demonstrate that this secrecy, withholding the lying, is the primary source of modern human stress and the primary cause of most anxiety and of most depression. Um, so so far, how does all that land? Yeah, I really like the fact that it breaks down the different types, like withdrawing or withholding is it's not something you consider to be lying. But I can look back at my life and I've often withheld that that's been something that I never perceived as a bad thing. It's like actually it felt like a good thing. Like, oh, I don't you know, if I don't bring it up, that's not a lie. Mm. But now just listening to that, it, it makes so much sense why even in business transactions, instead of engaging with something, I would just like withhold and let something dissipate and then I'd wonder why the job didn't end well or why I didn't get paid better or, or some you know it would always end in some small but form of suffering mm. all the time yeah so that that was the biggest thing takeaway from that is the yeah withholding is is a is a dangerous form of lying <laughs> it's usually a way that I've let myself off the hook for things yeah. in the past that's how we do it. It's like, I didn't lie. Like, I'd be very, I'd be perfect at this. You know, I'd be, I'd refine it. I, technically, technically, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like that's, uh, like that's that much better, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, withholding is a form of lying. It's yeah. a form of embodied lying. It's a yeah. form of like, you have a truth. You have something in your mind, on your mind, that the other person might want to know about but you just keep it to yourself. It's like, there's another form of lying. Yeah. Basically. So the, so we, so that's the problem at the base of it is that everyone's lying either unconsciously or even consciously through their body, through their words, uh, through the behavior, you know? 
So radical honesty is the, the solution to this. It is the best way to heal the past, reduce stress, and revitalize yourself. The best way to do that is to tell the truth. Mm. So radical honesty, it means simply to report out loud to another what you notice in front of you, in your body, and in your mind in the present moment. So it offers you a, a process to directly express and get over anger, reach full body forgiveness, and create real connections with others. And it's a practice through which you bring bold self-expression and new creative energy into your life and relationships. Mm. And last thing on this section, being radically honest means you tell the people in your life what you've done and plan to do, what you think and what you feel. It's the kind of authentic sharing that creates the possibility of love, intimacy, aliveness and action. And it also opens the door to deep, fulfilling and authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it, again, the, the application, it's almost like you have to start with yourself. You have to be, we talk a lot about writing exercises where you have to embody radical honesty with yourself first. And I, if I take another example of uh, a, a, back in the past when I was doing video production work, somebody would come to me with a job and can you do it? And it would be like, uh, I need it. I need, I need the money, I need the job. So yes would be the answer. Now, how is that lying? <laughs> I, just from listening to you, I realized that I was lying to myself that the story in my head is that I need it. No, I wanted it. <laughs> right. And if I had been honest with myself about needing and wanting at that point in time, I could have probably said first to myself, truthfully, you just want this, it would be nice to have it. Now, if I could say those exact words to the client saying, you know what, truthfully, I do want this job, but right now I'm too busy um, and, and I can't do it. Mm. The chances of them coming back in the future would have been so much higher than me, what I used to do is just say yes, even though truthfully I couldn't actually do it. I couldn't manage any more work. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, how would I have, how much better would my life have been? How much better would my relationship have, with that client have been? Yeah. When mm. you tell, when you, when you tell the truth and you can see, you can honestly see how this leads to authentic connections with people, right? That's it. Because it's the connection, it's the connection with that, that client or that person that is, they, they, yeah. And there's nothing hard about saying, I want this or expressing a truth. I do want this, but I can't do it. Hmm. So simple. <laughs> yeah, and because because that's you expressing the, the truth as you as you experience it in that moment. Mm. That's not you giving into the pressure to have a neat and tidy reason and a story and all this rest of it just to satisfy them. Because mm. that's another thing he mentions is that to say openly and honestly that you don't know. I mean, this isn't the same as your example, but like if you were to say, someone was to ask you a question or something or ask you what is, what do you want or whatever, and you actually don't know yet. Mm. When you say, I don't know, that's you leaning into and resting in the uncertainty and acknowledging that I don't know. Truthfully. Where, yeah. Exactly. Whereas, <laughs> um, whereas Brad Blanton suggests that most, when most people say, I don't know, it's basically whining and avoiding responsibility. Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. What do, yeah. you what do you feel? What do you think about this? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's like you do really know. The point is, like, yeah, I've had that in relationships sometimes. It's like, oh, uh, when I when I uh, used to not be as honest. <laughs> oh, how do I how do I look? Oh, you look you look fine. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> now I just I openly say it. Like, how do I look? I do not like that dress. <laughs> well, this is it. I wanted to get to that. This is a good example. Like, we, I'm talking about honesty here. Yeah. Uh, enough. What, what is radical honesty? Is that more like radical honesty? It's like it's like immediate assessment or well, I, I can't pinpoint it. The but, radical part. Yeah. What makes it radical as opposed to just being honest? I Okay. My guess here, because as I say... <laughs> I should totally read the book before I do a fucking podcast episode. But my guess here would be, honesty would be if she says, uh, do I look good in this dress or whatever? Honesty would be, I don't, I don't like that dress. Whereas radical honesty may well be, 
you have these, like in a, say you're in an intimate relationship, you have these thoughts and feelings come up and you share them. Mm. This, is, this is one of the main criticisms of it. Because I've read a few articles that criticize this approach, saying that, look, uh, radical honesty lends itself just too much to perhaps oversharing. Um, and to that, I would essentially say, look, it's probably because radical honesty and the practice of communicating in this way is a skill, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a skill. Um, but other than that, I don't really know, to be honest. The thing that makes it radical, specifically, it's a good question. Because mm. um, I... So... The reason I ask, maybe I'm setting you up for this, is that, like I said, I've seen you do things in your life more differently recently, which is, is this just honesty or did you, would you say for you it's radical? That is, in your dating relationship life, you've, you've been applying this where you've, like you said, with the dress, how do I look in this dress? And other examples, do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to watch this film? You know, all those little moments where you're with somebody else and you're actually just going, no, I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed you've done that and, and you've been proud of yourself for doing it, right? I, yes. And I honestly notice um, there's, a, there's this feeling for me that I would call social inhibition. It's a perfect phrase for me. It's when I feel tight in my body and my mind when I'm around people. I feel like there's a part of me that wants to be expressed. There's something I'm not saying. There's something I'm not feeling or fully and I'm just freezing up out of safety, just like, oh, okay. And I can't quite pinpoint what, what's going on. Um, and when I share something honestly and openly, I would honestly say that like nine times out of 10, it doesn't go as horrifically as I think it will. Mm -hmm. People seem to appreciate the honesty, even though they might have an emotional reaction in the moment. And I feel this, uh, it's, it's in my chest, I usually feel the tightness. It kind of just eases off and I sleep better. Mm. So honesty really is the best policy. And I think part of the reason why he says radical honesty, it might be a little bit of marketing mm -hmm. in the sense of, look, right now, people are, especially by the figures I mentioned earlier, people are practicing radical avoidance or radical lying, yeah. right? People literally live, some people live an entire life as a lie. Yeah, It's not their life. So any form of honesty is pretty radical. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I guess so. I mean, yeah. you could probably see it that way, you know. Yeah. I mean, for me, it is. I mean, absolutely. I, I, like I said earlier, I, I used to say the words, "Oh, I think I'm a compulsive liar." No, no, definitely not. I'm, I'm putting myself off the hook here, and that's why I really am interested in this topic too. Is because be kind to yourself first of all. You're sometimes just falling into the trap of these things that we do and you know as humans it's we we do tell stories it's part of how we've evolved from you know from the basic versions of ourselves 200,000 years ago and and that's because of stories and stories are almost like lies <laughs> yeah in a way you know and, and that's okay it's okay to tell stories it's good for us but when we tell ourselves stories that limit us then then and you, how do you see the difference? You can't until you start to practice the honesty aspect of it. And I didn't. I, I was full of lies all over the show. Um, I, I, and it was little things all the time, I, like stupid stuff, like I'd be running late for a, a meeting. And I'm pretty, I like being punctual. It's like, it's important to me. So obviously, if I was running late, which didn't happen too often, I would lie outright because I could never be seen as late. So it was always a lie. And I was like, that's okay because you're never normally late. So it's okay to, well, I, no, I didn't even think that. Now, you see, I'm justifying it here now. <laughs> no, here's the truth. I well lied. Spotted. Well spotted. <laughs> I lied. And I would send like pictures of uh, where I'm at, even though I was still at home. It was like pictures like that I had stored in my phone. That's how bad the lie was. <laughs> I'm in the traffic. No, it's an old picture. It's an old traffic photo. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no. but I, I somehow felt that that was okay. <laughs> it, and you know what? If I had told the truth there and then, it wouldn't have probably done much for my reputation with the people. Probably not a good thing. But that would have been one loss with one person. What, what I was doing, and I'm only seeing this after talking to you now, is that like actually I was losing out myself. I was suffering my own life more and more and more because it was this picture of who I am that was starting to shape around that. Mm. And if I had said, guys, I'm late, 
that would have been an accountability and a responsibility on me to actually not be late, to like make a plan to get up earlier, as opposed to just falling into the late trap and then lying about the late trap. And then that kind of building up and that, you know, that did happen. I mean, I, I did find myself being late quite often. So where did the story of you're always punctual even come from? <laughs> mm, yeah, but th- th- it's a great it's a great point because you end up avoiding the truth of, no, sometimes you are late. Mm. Oh, I don't like being late. Mm, I'm not. Or, or feel it. I'm usually not. It's like allow your self-image to update with the new truth and new information. You said you'd be here at this time. Yeah. You were not. You were later than you said you were going to be. Oh, There's motivation I'm, to not yeah. be late, it's right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm not a punctual person. Oh, wow. I either... I either adapt my behavior until I my behavior suits the image I have of myself as a punctual person. That's it. Or right. I adapt the self-image and say, you know what, actually, I'm not. <laughs> actually, yeah. either way. Either way would be better. <laughs> either way, you're adapting to the truth. You're not living a lie anymore. Correct. You're not like, I'm a punctual person, according to me, but according to the entire world, <laughs> everyone I interact with would have a different idea, right? Yeah. But this is this is really this is one of the reasons why I think this is such a powerful way of being and it's not like a goal unto itself it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a way of living it is a lifestyle it really is it's, yeah. it's it's it goes that far and just to use one example um in dating for, for just just because the you know as my side business i help guys out with this area and one of the things that i consistently suggest is this approach is is radical honesty even with total strangers mm. you find her attractive but you're really nervous tell her that but I can't tell her I'm nervous. She's going to think, I don't care what she, she thinks. She can see you're nervous. <laughs> yeah, she'll, she'll know <laughs> that from a mile away. <laughs> exactly. The, the reason why I think this is really important is that you go out there and you be really honest in like, in just in this example, use the dating example. You go out there, you be really honest. You get loads of women reflect back to you that you, they don't like you. Mm. Let's say their worst case scenario that happens. Not likely, but let's say it does. Then you, you say, go up to 10 women in coffee shops and stuff and ask them out. They all say no you've just had some information reflected to you about you. Now that information could be very fucking painful. Mm. And that would cause you to then have to change your behavior or change the way you dress or the way you approach, the the way you um, carry yourself or conduct yourself, the way you communicate, whatever. But that process is very painful in 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 the initial. That's why we avoid it. But it's like the more honest you be to reality, to other people, the more clear the mirror becomes mm. that other people shine towards you. Yeah. They, they can reflect you back to yourself in such a way that the information you receive is actually really useful. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, clearly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see that in, in the Cario team with feedback all the time. We really, we have to like put extra effort into being better at feedback because we're only helping the team be better. Hmm. And again, that was an area that I struggled with a lot. I think Shane's pretty good at being quite straight with uh, feedback and I was I, I can't admire that yet when I do it it's not it's not acceptable I have to be nice to everybody I have to write oh that's great video mm. but <laughs> what about this little thing here no it's like just get to it help the person yeah give them clear and and clear and honest feedback and I think that's what deepens our connection to other people this is something I've honestly struggled with pretty much my whole life, really, is to feel like I'm around, feel deep, like feel a sense of deep friendship with people. I don't usually do that very easily. And I think a part of the reason is because I've, I've always been something of a compulsive liar. Mm. Like if I remember, like if I, if I think back, as far, like the first lie I ever told, for some reason I still, mem- I still remember this. I was like mm. six. And I told a bunch of kids that I'd been to the moon. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Well, how could I have expected that lie to work? You know, when I was six, it, it worked for like 10 seconds until some kid was just like, "No, Oliver's lying. <laughs> I just stuck to it. Like, not lying. No, I went there. My dad knows people. I think I elaborated some story about my dad knowing people in the fucking you know, like the NASA or something. I don't know. But I was young. But that was like the first time. And another lie I told about my scar. I've told mm-hmm. so many lies about my scar to make it seem more cool. But I, luckily I stopped doing that when I was about 12. But when I was, uh, which, which is a lie, by the way, because the last t- lie I told about that must have been like 15 or something. Anyway, um, but yeah, like I told, last lie I told about this scar on my forehead is that I got into a fight 
and it was a big scrap and I'm hard as nails and I left and someone hit me. That was like total lie. I was trying to, I was trying to like make myself seem like a badass. Yeah. Well, that was sounds a, like fun, you know. Ach, it's fine. It's it's just a little thing, but it see, it seems like that to the outside. But the intention was I was manipulating people's opinions of me because you weren't good enough. Because I wasn't. I wasn't hard enough. I wasn't That's, strong enough. I wasn't courageous yeah. enough. So I had to lie in order to project the image. Yeah. You know, it it does make you realize that if you're conscious of it, if you're conscious of the fact that you're uncomfortable in the situation, and you said. Oh yeah, no, guys. This this happened from a skiing accident, and then a shark, you know, got me. And like, oh, like this crazy story. And you obviously, Ski, obviously, different climates there, Dean. I mean, a well, ski, that, that, that's kind of the point. Of skiing that, in Canada, fell off a mountain, landed in a shark pit. Yeah. How unlucky would you need to be? But wouldn't that reflect a little bit of your personality? You know, telling a story, having fun with it, and going. I'm entertaining you guys. That's obviously not how this happened. This was a very boring story, but I'm capable of entertaining you. I'm I'm cool, right? <laughs> Without yeah. yeah, but it, like truthfully, no, this was very boring. There's the truth. <laughs> but yeah. you can start with a story. It's fine. Well, I think okay. So there's something <laughs> that we'll get to in a little while about that because yeah. there's a difference between story and okay. things you notice. And the problem emerges both in our internal world and in our relationships with other people when we confuse the two. Mm. So I'll, I'll get to that because that's, that's, really, that's really cool. Um, but actually, interestingly enough, the real story of how I cu- cut my forehead was actually funnier and actually more interesting than any fucking lie I told about it. Do you want me to quickly tell it? Yeah, go for it. All right. <laughs> so, in. Yeah, okay, Rim. So I must have been like six, seven, eight. I was, I was, I was under the age of 10. Six, seven or eight, make up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was 678. Um, so one day, my brother, who's two years older than me, once told me, Ollie, I jumped from the top step down to the bottom and I landed on my feet. And of course, I couldn't have that. Sibling rivalry and all that. I was like, no way. I was like, you didn't. He goes, I did. I did. I didn't think to just say, prove it then. I just believed him. Good point. I was like, you know what? Go on. Okay, I'll do that. But the stupidest thing was, I tried to do it on my own when he wasn't even looking, mm. right? So there's, there's so many silly bits of this story. So I'm stood at the top step. And I just looking at the bottom and I'm thinking, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> but if my brother did it, then I've got to do it. So I just hurled myself down the stairs. Hit my head on the corner of a door at the bottom. And then I'm just pissing blood out of my head. Yep. I remember only snipp- snippets of this. But I remember being in a heap at the bottom of the stairs, just covered in blood. And I was giggling to myself. My dad found me, his six-year-old child in a pool of blood at the bottom of the stairs laughing right <laughs> so he put me in the car drove me to the hospital laughing the entire time i remember the trickle of the blood coming down my forehead it tickled me so i was laughing so i get to the hospital and then i think you know what'd be funny i'm all right little bastard at that age you know i goes you know what'd be funny if i told all of the people at the hospital that my dad pushed me down the stairs wow and sure enough that's precisely what i did the nurses and everything i said <laughs> my dad pushed me Wow. I don't remember what happened after that, but my dad said that they all turned to him with just this look of like, we need to probably arrest this guy. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get this guy arrested. Lies, man. Yeah, lies. (laughs) And then my dad had a word with me um, and told me that this is actually pretty serious and I should tell the truth. So then eventually I told the truth. I was like, yes, this is is funny, right? And no one was laughing. I was like, Mm. shit, okay. Maybe, maybe not a good idea. Uh, so that's what happened. Yeah, and your brother was obviously lying too, right? Or did he do it? To this day, to this day, I don't know. To the, you know, if I asked him, yeah. if I asked him, he might say, yeah. He's, but he, he could be lying. If Lewis is watching this episode, Lewis, prove it. <laughs> if you, if you really did jump down them stairs, tell then, yeah. then, then do it next time I'm back. But yeah, it shows other suffering just uh, builds, you know, builds and builds and builds. On, yeah. on a single moment. And, and we all know that, that lies build, you know, they, they get worse than that. They do. And, I mean, even all, like the, by, just by you saying all su- lies are suffering, I mean, addiction is obviously also, it's like one of the biggest lies is that you tell yourself that you're okay, that you're fine, you're in control of this. Denial. A d- denial of that is, and if just running with that for too long is where you really get into hot water childhood trauma all of them same mm. thing you tell yourself you're okay i mean I, I had the same thing i held onto a story of when i was nine years old something you know something small like that and at 20 30 whatever years old i'm like 
<sighs> I was lying to myself that I was okay with this this whole time. And I kept it, again, I withheld it from sharing it with them, people that were most important about the, the situation. And it's just, yeah, why, why do we not just go to the truth? Why do we not go to the truth when it's easier? It does not make sense sometimes. But as we're saying, yeah. do it, practice it. Practice it. There's very real reasons why we don't do this. Mm. Um, yeah. On the note of uh, why it creates stress in our lives. So I once um, read half of a book called Flow mm-hmm. by, oh my God, the, the author's name, Mihail Csikszentmihalyi. Honestly, <laughs> if you see this guy's name, try and read it as better, better than I did. It's difficult. But anyway, he's talking about how it's, it's one of the foundational books of positive psychology. And in it, he talks about how when we experience a flow of experience, when we, when we experience uh, what he calls flow, which is where sort of time melts away a little bit. We're not as wrapped up in the stories in our own mind. We're not as wrapped up in our own heads. We're just enjoying the moment mm-hmm. um, in a kind of a free flowing way. And one of the impediments to this is... Um, our own minds and our our own stories. Mm -hmm. Um, He he does have a phrase for it. Uh, He calls it psychological entropy. Okay. Where the flow of our experience is interrupted and then our attention is focused solely on our own stories and our own mind to the point where we're not present anymore Mm. and we can't be in flow and we can't fully enjoy our our lives. Mm -hmm. And for me, I saw that there was a, a link here. Brad Blanton asserts that, yeah, lies interrupt the flow of experience by capturing our attention on the stories and lies we tell ourselves. It's like half of our attention is on our own bullshit and only only half of our attention at most is on the experience we have. We're never fully in this moment, right? So for me, those two things, they go hand in hand perfectly. Mm-hmm. Lying causes psychological entropy. Mm. So it, it, it checks out basically. So uh, I'll go on a little mm-hmm. bit more. Uh, So telling the truth, no matter how difficult, works better than not telling the truth almost all of the time. Mm. Expressing uncomfortable feelings and secrets liberates us from living from avoiding what is so, frees our attention to experience life, and helps us move through feelings instead of staying stuck with them. You can admit and accept your experience and get over it. If you keep it a secret, you keep it a long time, whether you want to or not. Mm. Captured attention interrupts and inhibits our flow of experience. Mm. It's the primary cause of stress. Spoken or embodied lies keep stress alive. And here's something in response to something you mentioned earlier, right? Which is we need to be honest with, honest with ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And I align with that. I get that. I make that. I, I understand this and I, I feel this too. But what Brad's response to this would be, you can't be secretly honest. <laughs> Being Honest with yourself is simply not separable from being honest with another. Okay. A person who says, I was honest with myself, but decided not to tell, is just another miserable liar and will have to suffer the consequences. Yeah. So so you can practice with other people first. Makes sense. So You've how got does, a direct bouncing board. So when we say be honest with ourselves, yeah. let's say in a writing session. Yeah. That for me, that feels true though. That feels like I can be honest with myself in a writing session. Mm. That feels like I, I can lie to myself. Or I can be honest with myself. It seems mm. like I can I can actually do Get that. It, yeah. Um so I'd like to I'd like to quiz him on that one day. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point because dealing with other people you have an instant feedback. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's one point I'm not entirely you, you, sure. You about. said we we're gonna practice some still. Yeah, we we or totally we, are. We, gonna, we totally are. There, there. We'll we'll get a feeling for it. We get into it. <laughs> so there's another thing here. This is uh, not part of the part of the website or the book, but something my therapist said to me, um, when you start living this way, especially if you've been dishonest, it threatens everything. Mm. It threatens everything. It threatens your job. It threatens your relationship. It threatens mm-hmm. your friendships. It threatens the your dreams, the things you think you want. It threatens this entire house of cards that you've built on this foundation of bullshit. Yeah. But the... the <laughs> The well, the idea with this is that there will be a pain period here. Mm-hmm. Everything might change, but this opens you up to a level of freedom and inner peace that ninety nine percent of people will tell you is just not possible. Mm. Right? 
maybe 99 is a bit OTT, but the point is most people, because most people are living in this way, this, this yeah. fundamentally dishonest way. And yeah, by transforming that, you can feel way better than you ever have. But most people don't want to experience the pain period, which is why they, they avoid it. Yeah. Now onto the reasons why this might happen. Um, so I can't, I'm not going to bloviate about the reasons why, yes, this is why everyone does this. I can only speak from my own experience most authentically, mm -hmm. right? So the reason why I've dealt with it, like I've, I've had difficulty with this, is um, I've identified in therapy that when I was younger, intense emotions that I would express or feel, um, my, my father was not very accommodating for that. And actually, I had to walk around walk on eggshells with my dad all the time. I was actually fundamentally scared of him um, until fairly recently, to be honest, uh, since I moved to Lisbon, funnily enough. Um, actually kind of scared of him ever since I was younger. Uh, his his intense emotions were terrifying to me. Um, and it'd be like, right, well, I can't be an inconvenience to this person because it, it feels like, it feels life-threatening when he freaks out and stuff. So it's like, okay, can't do that. So that's one so that's, that's, that's one idea. It's like these things, these patterns form in early childhood and that we carry them through. Mm. The, uh, the, the life script is formed in early childhood and we, we, we carry this through and it kind of shapes our lives if we're not aware of it. So that's like, I'm sure there'll be loads of reasons why, but if I think back to my childhood and my upbringing, both with parental influence, but also like influence from my teachers growing up and stuff, it'd usually be this, I'd get the message in some way or another that, I can't really be myself. I can't, I can't really feel what I feel and mm. express that. I got this general sense that what I expressed would be an inconvenience or something. Yeah. And then that story carries through to my adulthood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lying is better. It's being reinforced. Yeah, withholding and avoiding intense emotions in other people is mm. good. It keeps me alive. Yeah, I had the same experience, I mean, as a child. That, that withholding, don't be an inconvenience to people. You know, getting bullied at school, don't don't tell your parents because they'll it'll inconvenience them and then they'll tell the other parents and then I have to deal with that and like, oh no. Ugh. There you go. It's just too many inconveniences to tell yeah. the truth here. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep it to yourself. I was bullied mm. precisely for this reason, right? Mm. Withholding also means you don't assert boundaries, also means you don't allow yourself to be assertive. Mm. Which means in school especially, you are ripe fruit for a bully who wants to manipulate manipulate you and take advantage of that. Mm. So you're, you're, you're wide open for that, basically. Yeah. Um, and it cripples self-esteem, too. Yeah. Because you're basically allowing everyone else to have feelings um, but your own. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's important to identify that certain areas of your life will be worse than others, um, depending on what's most important to you at that stage of your life, whether it's your relationship, your work, your or whatever it is, there, there's different areas. But if you can start to sort of notice like the little stories, the lies, the, you don't have to fix all of them. <laughs> yeah. Work, work slowly on the one. And I guess we're both in that position right now. You know, you've still got the book to finish. I've still got it. I probably should pick it up because this is important for me too. But I can definitely see over the last you know, three, four years has been this process of trying to fix this one, trying to fix that one. And overall, my life is much better now than it, than maybe ever. I'm healthier, I'm mentally more clear. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing good. And that's mainly because I've tackled the lying about, you know, alcohol addiction, this, I've, I've spoken about these things before, but like all these things that I've, I've brought up on this podcast before, are in some way or form, me overcoming the lie and telling the truth to the people around me, telling the truth to you, to you, to everybody. It's like, th these are the truths. Mm. Um, and even even my relationship now, which because because the, that alcohol chapter is kind of behind, I it's out. It's like, yes, you know what? I was a damn alcoholic. I can admit that uh, in whatever capacity. But right now I can move beyond that. And now I can look at, I have been able to look at my relationship and say, we, we've had a good We've been together for nine years in my relationship and it's been really good, but it was plateauing to be honest. <laughs> well, here it's all coming out. Uh, and through having these discussions with you and watching you do that radical honesty within your like dating relationships, I was kind of going, oh, I have to do this too. What am I waiting for? And 
I can see the change in that area of my life too now. So work, the health, relationships, all chapters are like combined coming together because of the one idea that I have to speak my truth. I have to just say what's inside of me. Yeah. It's more important than everybody else's feelings. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so hard and I'm still so afraid of it. <laughs> Same. Jordan Peterson was asked how, what, what the most important aspect of his life is. What mm. the most, the, what the, no, what the most challenging, sorry, the most challenging aspect of, of how he conducts himself. And he just said, being honest. So hard. He says, being honest, repeatedly, being honest, being honest, being honest. You find yourself slipping into dishonesty, but back to honest, back to honest. It always needs to be refreshed and renewed. Mm. And it's, even he says it's, it's the most challenging thing he does. Um, but I, I'm really optimistic about this. I think if you adapted an honest way of living, everything will change. Things will get scary, but you'll be on a goddamn adventure. Yeah. You really will. If you're, if you're looking for a journey, a purpose, an adventure in your life, start being honest. Yeah. Because things will change so quickly and dramatically. You, you don't know what planet you've landed on. Honestly, if you if you make the commitment today to start living authentically, honestly, and fuck everyone else's feelings, just be honest, right? Yeah. If I checked in with you in six months' time, your life would change in big ways. I'm convinced. Mm. Some like maybe relationships end, maybe new relationships come in that were net, that were more fulfilling than you've ever experienced before. Maybe you lose a job that you didn't really like. Whatever. Um, disclaimer if things go absolutely tits up i never said this <laughs> um so i want to just cover just a couple more things before we get to a bit of a practice yeah um so the core principles uh obviously we've covered lying is the primary cause of suffering the next one is living honestly is the antidote to lying and the root of its power is in distinguishing noticing from thinking mm -hmm. does that make sense to you want to say that yeah yeah noticing different from thinking yeah yep i i, I struggle with that a little bit because i'm still like trying to catch myself thinking but it's difficult mm -hmm. well the, the general idea is uh let's let's see you can only notice um something that's happening in the the present moment right mm. and you can only notice um something in your external environment a feeling in the body or yeah. a thought those are only those are the only three things you ever come into direct contact with, right? And they're probably as true as they ever will be in that moment, because even the past, the moment you leave it behind, you can change it. You can make a story about it. Uh, and it, you it might not- Yeah, it yeah. probably happens Did anyway. Did I feel good? Did I feel bad? Uh, I can't remember. I probably felt good. I felt good, well, you know, quickly. The past is, is deceiving. Exactly. The present, if you can feel in the present. So that makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. Yeah, well, the fascinating thing about certain types of therapy is people live a life with a, with a life story that's led them to this point. Mm. And it's it's a life story that's producing a certain amount, a certain type of result, and it's an inaccurate life story, mm -hmm. right? The therapist would then help them recontextualize their entire life in a new story, mm -hmm. which means that their, their relationship to their own memories change, which means the story changes, right? So trust the present, not the past, basically. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. The point is, um, if, I, if I was to say, um, you're taking advantage of me, now, where in my experience, in my concrete experience, have I noticed this? Like, I can't, I can't feel the feeling of, of you're taking advantage of me. I can't see on your body or your reflections or anything mm. you've said that you're taking advantage of me. That is a story, right? That's, a, that's bullshit, basically. Mm. And some people will say, okay, um, maybe it is true. I mean, maybe, that is, maybe that's it. Maybe that's right. But the point is, 90% of the stories our mind creates are best guesses. The problem is when we attach to them and we um, we sort of project them out there, but I, I'll get to that. But the point is, you can only notice feelings in the body, uh, thoughts that you're having, which might include the story, but as long as you own it, like it could be, uh, just as one example. So, uh, Dean, I, uh, I'm feeling uncomfortable mm. when, when, when I'm talking to you. Let's, uh, this isn't true, but let's, let's use an example. I'm feeling uncomfortable when I'm talking to you. Um, I notice that sometimes you, um, you, you speak quite a lot and I'm noticing that I'm not, I'm not talking as much. And the story that's in my mind is that you're sort of dominating the conversation on purpose and there's something that you're trying to get out of it. That's, the, that's, what, I, that's what I'm feeling, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not accusing you of anything mm. and I'm not um, 
putting you on the defensive. I'm just saying this was my experience. And you're reporting the experience as close to this present moment as you possibly can, which is why mindfulness in conjunction with radical honesty is a goddamn game changer. Because I feel uncomfortable in my body. I feel this. I feel um, anxious. When I'm talking to you, I feel anxious. Not like you always, like, you know what I mean? Like you always do this, you always talk. It's not, that's not owning your own feelings. Yeah. So it's I, I, dot, 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 not you, dot, dot, dot. Using I statements, using I feel statements. I, I notice, I feel, I think. Okay. Like I noticed that when I started talking, you, you, you get on your phone. Mm. I felt underappreciated. I felt like I, the, the story is you're not listening to me and you're not interested in what I have to say. Do you see how that kind of creates the foundation for a real connection? Yeah. You know what I feel, you know what I've noticed, and you know what I'm thinking, the storyline. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a, a sense of what I'm actually what I'm actually about in that moment. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's deciphering, and this is, this is where it becomes a practice. And this yeah. is why the website, they have workshops and all the rest of it. It's like something that you have to practice. Deciphering, noticing from just the things that you think. Um, sharing honestly what you notice also deepens love, connection, understanding, and forgiveness, in brackets, eventually. <laughs> um, and through this process, you become the conscious creator. Of, hang on, there's something I really love about this, actually. I'll, I'll read that in a sec. Radical honesty is a living, walking, talking out loud meditation that moves you from reactivity to being a creator of your own life. Final thing, you become the conscious creator of your life. I love this next bit rather than a mess of reactions rationalized in order to appear in control. Yep. Does that make sense? Makes perfect you're sense. You're a mess of emotional reactions rationalized to appear like you know what the fuck you're doing when actually you don't. Yeah. It's actually just mostly bullshit. So the practice then. So how do you actually, uh, how do you actually practice this? So just a few points. Tune into your body, mm-hmm. right? You tune into the actual felt sense of, of your physical form, how you, how you feel, what feelings you actually get in the body, right? And you start tuning into that as you're talking to people, as you're, as you're about out and about, mm-hmm. right? Body awareness is key. You use I feel statements. You don't try to control anyone's reactions and you be prepared for anything that could come up. Mm. Because the point is as well, um, one of the reasons why people don't do this is because they, they take too much responsibility for other people's feelings. So that means that if they create anger in someone else or whatever, they feel like they have fucked up. Yeah. They're the ones who screwed up. And this can screw you up in relationships big mm. time, you know? Definitely. It means that you withhold all the time. All the time, yeah. Because you think if that person, if I create that anger in that person, I'm I'm a bad person. Yeah. No, I was guilty of that one. Yeah. That was that was the main one that I needed to actually work on. Mm. It's not taking responsibility for other people's feelings. Yeah. Anger. Sort of not wanting to upset other people. And that that followed through like like you said, like a thread right through from my childhood. Mm. Don't upset people. Yeah. Yeah. So my whole relationship was, all the relationships I've ever been in has always been about don't, and and this is the crazy thing is our relationships, when I say like me and every relationship I've ever had has been very amicable and very nice and we've got along and we didn't fight much. But what I was losing was like, the sexual tension, for, for example, that that requires a little bit of, uh, a little bit of like it's not anger, but it it's got a little bit of tension in it. And and yeah. if you're just always complacent, and always nice, that that part always seems to get worse over time. And I that you know I think that that might be one of the things that marriages suffer the most is that you've been together long enough, you just don't have the time to be fighting anymore. So instead of fighting, you just kind of get. Ugh. And the bedroom dies, as you know, and it just like, and you become more until you can't take that anymore. And then there's nothing left but fighting. Mm. <laughs> but it's like, a, it makes sense if you don't actually, if you're too afraid of letting yourself upset the other person on account of your own needs. Yeah. And that's, that's a very deliberate parenthesized example of what's happened with me is that I have always put my needs aside to avoid fighting. Yeah. That's going to change. That better change because you'll change. notice a difference. I mean, yeah. so um, so John Gottman is a an American researcher who runs the Love Lab and he wrote a book that I'm reading at the moment called uh, A Man's Guide to... Men's Guide to Women. Mm-hmm. And 
he talks about how in his love lab, he can detect whether a marriage is going to last with 93% accuracy. And this has been proven that this guy can do that from watching tapes of him talking. Oh, wow. And what, one thing, one of the determinants of if a marriage is going to last is if these people argue or not. Mm-hmm. Now, would you think the people that argue the marriage isn't going to last, the adverse is true. Yeah. You get two people show up. Everything's fine. We never fight. Right. Yeah. That's, so you're telling me that's that two, fair. you're telling me that two barely evolved apes cohabit <laughs> for 20 years and apparently get on perfectly well, <laughs> no problems at all. Oh, man. And then you start scratching under the surface and it's all, it all comes out. Yeah. So instead of them deal with it on the surface, resentment builds and then one of them might be unfaithful or all sorts of things can go tits up. This is why I'm sitting here today talking to you about this because it's like, oh my God, I was on such a bad path with that stuff. <laughs> well, this is it, man. You want an amazing relationship and fucking let's, let's, you know, be honest, right? Yeah. So on for the practice. Um, the practice itself, this is the area that I, um, I want to do another podcast episode on this in the future because it's the area that while I understand this, I know the practice is something that you do in your day-to-day. It's something you adopt mm-hmm. um, consistently. It's not something like, oh, do 10 minutes of radical honesty a day and then carry on your life of lying, right? It's like something that you have to just take on constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it's, I bet it's just about questions. You know, I mean, I'll, once I've done some of the workshops and stuff with radicalhonesty.com, I'll come back and report back as to what some of the practices might be. Cool. Um, but yeah, so it'd just be about mindfully tuning into your body using I feel statements and asking certain questions, such as how are you feeling? You know how when people ask you, how are you? Nine times out of 10, especially in the UK, they don't really mean it. Mm. So how are you? You all right? Yeah. Actually, fine. actually, I feel really, I feel really sad. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't really know why. It's like, holy shit. I didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't ask. Oh, oh shit. Oh God, what <laughs> did we say? Okay. Actually, I feel really angry right now yeah it's just like okay oh shit uh so what you're feeling and how you're feeling what you're thinking um you know and if you're in a relationship you can say certain things such as just sit them down say listen i just want to have a conversation with you breathe into your body etc um and then you can ask something like how do you feel about our sex life Mm. or how do you feel about a relationship right now Mm -hmm. you're not you're not manipulating the question to get a certain type of answer like do you feel like our relationship is this because that's more a reflection on what you feel right you're just saying how do you feel about a relationship and you're allowing whatever wants to come up in the present moment to come up yeah makes sense so uh so let's uh so let's practice it so um do would you like to partake as well yeah or or would you like to put me on the spot uh no you, you go first i haven't got something yet i haven't got a I'd love to partake, yeah. It's- All right, cool. Well, as I say, the question, I've got just a couple of those questions I just mentioned. Um, it's not like, because as I say, when you ask a question that's quite colored, it's like it elicits a certain kind of response. Yeah. I'll just try one. Yes. Dean, what are you, um, what, how do you feel about this, about recording this podcast today? Taking a moment. The way I feel right now is a little bit of uncertainty. I feel a little bit unsure how helpful this is for people that might be listening to us just sitting here and like flapping at each other, <laughs> as you say, flapping our gum. Um, that's how I feel. But even just as I'm expressing that, I'd, I'm, I feel better having said that because I don't care <laughs> because I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely um and i look forward to doing more of this i don't know i'm just speaking what's coming out of me um yeah that's how i feel i i so yeah i I felt felt look it's already past tense i did i felt a little bit of like i wonder i wonder if wonder if this is good enough i wonder if this is good enough um that was the truth of what's shaking around in my head while sitting here all right so let's um let's decipher between story and the noticing okay the feeling in the body what was that I've been shaking back and forth in my chair. I noticed that. I actually became aware of that. I noticed it. Uh, there was a point where I'm like, oh, shit, thinking about this too much. <laughs> uh, rubbing my hands on my pants. <laughs> um, so those were, the, those were the only tell signs. I don't feel anything inside my chest or my throat where I'm like blocked or anything. No, because I, I, I'm, I'm in flow. I, I feel like I'm really engaged in what you're saying. I'm interested in what you have to say. I, I feel like I've, 
yeah, that, that I'm part of this conversation because I really do have an experience here. But when I noticed those things, it brought up the question of, uh, is this right? Are we doing a good thing? There you go. That's good. You noticed you were rubbing your hands on your pants. Yeah. You noticed you were moving your chair from side to side. Those are things you noticed mm. in the direct moment. Mm -hmm. The feeling, um, not necessarily a feeling that you could detect, like, no, a, like, like a strong a... feeling. Yeah. But it, but the doing this set off the story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The story was, oh, is this interesting for people? Is this engaging? That so that's the story, right? Yeah. Okay. And even now, like, oh, should I have admitted that? <laughs> <laughs> and then the story, <laughs> see see this? See how that, that's, that we say the stories are what creates our suffering, right? <laughs> yeah. And when the reason why this might be a form of lying is that we, is like, it's, I, would, I, would, I don't know if it's a form of lying necessarily, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know. That's what this book would suggest. This book would say that it's a form of lying because it's like, um, it's not, the story itself is not, um, ultimately kind of true. Like you can't, mm. you can't prove it basically. Um, but yeah, that's a bit, I'm not clear on, but, mm. but yeah. Sh sh can I, can I give the question back to you? Cause yeah. I'd be very interested to know how you feel on the same question. So how mm. do you, how do you feel <laughs> about right. this podcast episode? Okay. So I'm going to take a second to just tune in. So meta. Okay. So the question was, how did I, how did you feel about recording this podcast today? Yeah. Which by the way, is kind of a funky question because it's like, how did you feel about recording this podcast? Today? No, how are you feeling right now? Yeah. I feel, um, I feel a subtle type of sort of nervous yet excited energy in my chest. I feel, and I usually feel this like a, it's a low level butterflies in the chest. I notice that my palms are sweating a little bit. I notice that I'm talking a lot. I notice that I've been talking a lot this entire podcast. And the fact that I've been talking a lot in a quite an animated fashion then leads to the, the thought, the story comes up, the thinking sets in motion that I'm talking too much, that what I'm saying is not actually engaging, what I'm saying is not actually interesting for people, um, what I'm saying is not useful, and it's more interesting to me, but nobody else. Yeah. See all the, see how the stories habitually that our mind creates are not, I'm thinking, I'm really going to, I'm looking forward to people, you know, no, it's not positive. Yeah. It's usually a negative thing, right? At the same time though, I do acknowledge and I have the, the, the thought comes up that I'm actually excited for, to release this one mm. because I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I, f I feel excited. I feel this excited sense in my body and I, the story is, I, I want people to hear this. Mm. And another thought I have is that I have felt more connected to this subject matter than any other podcast I've ever done. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about saying that out loud? <laughs> I feel confident and I feel assured and encouraged because a principle I try to live by is um, be the change you want to see, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that being truthful, being authentic, I agree with Brad Blanton when he says that this could re reduce so much unnecessary suffering mm. through a confrontation with truth. Yeah. But I feel encouraged. I feel excited. I feel good, yeah. actually. I feel good. Honestly, I also think that this last little section here is probably the most powerful thing for me to now have it almost behind us. Like it's open, it's out, it's been done. We've said those things it's to say, wow, that really happened. That was real. It's not real anymore. It's gone. Cause that information is actually just that, that is what would, yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like a meta thing. It's like itself realizing itself. Mm. It's yeah, it's, it's really is powerful. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I look forward to doing more of these exercises with you. I think that's a good note to end on, Dean. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That, thank you for listening. I think that's the uh, thing we've reached. Yeah. I've got everything uh, Everything I want to talk about yeah. covered. Guys, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. If you want to uh, check out the show notes for this episode, I'm going to, uh, yeah, so that's ikaro.com 
forward slash 042, mm-hmm. that one, 042. And I will also say this, on account of that last topic, though, that, that exercise, your input would be really valuable. Your radical honesty would really count for, for something here. Because even if this podcast, for whatever reason, lagged, was a bit out of control, whatever it was, we did what we needed to do. And we learned from this. And if we had to talk about the same subject again, um, building on what happened today, it can only get better. Yeah. Right? So hearing your honest truth would help that process. Your honest, your radically honest feedback would be really, really appreciated. And if you could want to do that in voice form, I challenge you. Mm. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Icario, leave us a voice message, breathe into your body, and share us your honest feedback about this episode or about anything else that's on your mind. Just practice it today by leaving a voice note. All right, that is everything. Take Challenge care, guys. you to finish that book. Finish that radical Finish that book. book. Okay, and then give I'll, it fin- to me. I'll finish the book, give it to you, and then we'll film, we'll record episode, uh, the second part of this series. Cheers. Take care, guys. See you next week.